Hello and welcome to Dungeoneered, a podcast dedicated to discussing Dungeons and Dragons. I'm Aaron. And I'm Josh. Let's do it. Give me a second, Josh, while I clean the bird poop off my off my headphones. And Couldn't have done that before we started the recording. Great. Thanks, Aaron. I appreciate well, it. Well, listen, they were on... So on my desk is like a headphone stand, and I have all my headphones on it because I have too many pairs of headphones. And my wireless earphones, they had bird poop on them, so I had to clean it off. But now I'm good, and now I'm ready to go for this lukewarm open. <laughs> but I think for this week's lukewarm open, I wanted to do something somewhat different um, and talk a little bit about our thought process behind um, creating a campaign slash um, being on the other end of it, of being in a campaign and then creating a character. So kind of both. Um And the reason I wanted to do both is because I know, I have a feeling that when we talk about creating a campaign, it's going to be really quick. Um, So when you sit down, Josh, to prepare slash write for a campaign, even if Mm -hmm. it's midway through, what's your thought process? What do you do? So just writing for a campaign in general? Yeah, just like sitting down on your average day for a session that you're preparing for, what's your thought process? Is it I cool. have to get so, my players to get into a combat. What's the idea? Waste time? What are, wait, what are you thinking? <laughs> well, so it used to be something like that where it'd be like, oh, I just got to get them into a combat. I got to yada, yada, yada. But it's kind of has evolved from that. Um, now Ooh, I kind explain, of Explain, please. <laughs> so now I think many, many arcs ahead. And so I have to be like, okay, like here, I'm literally going to pull up the notes I have for my current campaign so I can speak about this directly. Okay. I'm not going to lie, though. I did not expect you to say several arcs ahead. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. Well, that's just what I think about now because um, I just, I've, I've gotten to the point where I like to have everything connecting or as many things connecting as possible. Right. Which makes sense, which totally makes sense. Yeah. So in my current campaign, like, I think we're five arcs away from being done. We've already done multiple one shots in the next world, and we're all excited to play in it. And so you better hurry up with those arcs, man. Better (laughs) snap, snap. (laughs) That's what people are kind of saying. And I'm like, yeah, I'm excited about it, too. So let me just make sure these arcs are as good as possible. So I think I have I have actually six arcs that need to happen. And so, like, one of them is, like... Six arcs from the fifth arc, or six arcs in total? Six arcs left. Six arcs that I want to get to. And the one at the very end requires, like, to have, like, the final moments be as cool and as awesome and as foreshadowed as possible. The players need to learn how to do these certain things so that they can bring it back and do it again in the big moment at the end so i'm like okay i have to like foreshadow these events by having them learn to do this earlier oh okay i see i see what you're doing Mm -hmm. and also i'm doing a really interesting thing where we've played a few one shots in the same world that we have our main campaign in and those characters are going to become like secondary main characters at one point so literally one of the arcs they're going to start off by I've been doing this thing where I narrate every yeah, yeah, yeah. like previously kind of wrap up of what happened previously Interesting. from the perspective of a character they have now met in game at one point that character 
Yes. Yes. And they don't, they know like they, he, like they can clearly tell he knows more than what they're saying, but they know that on a meta level because he's the narrator, not because they actually know that. That is an interesting take. I don't think I've ever heard somebody do that before. Yeah. And so one of the things they're going to do is that he is going to, during like the arc before the, uh, before the end the fun, there's two arcs left during the second to last arc. He will say, now I, I know why you've been coming every day hearing me tell these stories about these people it's because you're looking for them and then they're gonna like kind of the the camera in quotation marks would zoom out and then they would be playing their one-shot characters who were the people listening to all of these tales every week that i kind of said as a kind of narration (laughs) of what happened previously and so their character their one-shot characters will know everything that's happened in the campaign because it was told to them as a tale and they have hearing it at a tavern exactly and they're looking for the main party so that's going to literally be one of the the second to last arc is now you're playing your one-shot characters trying to find your main characters that's super interesting i've never heard anybody do something like that before (laughs) how'd you how'd you come up with the idea how'd you get the idea you're just messing around with it one time on reddit or something or what uh there's an amazing uh an amazing podcast called friends at the table that I absolutely adore. I actually just got one of my players into it and he has contacted me so many times like, Oh my word, this is so good. This is amazing. Oh, I've fallen in love with these characters. Oh, it's, and I'm like, yes, thank you. Somebody sees it. It's beautiful. It's so good. And so, um, in that one, one of the, um, they have a story arc called Mary Elda and in Mary Elda, they have one of the gods is narrating every single kind of opening and it's just it's so beautifully well done and like i just loved the character and was like man i want to have a narrator that is somehow important to the story as well and so i tried to figure out my own take on it and so spoiler to any of my players i would stop listening if i were you in my world since it's a post-apocalypse his name is yalan y'all and he is a (laughs) he is one of the people that has been kind of causing these apocalypses to happen every so often because he kind of he's one of the people that presses the reset button on this world every so often when it starts getting too developed he has finally had enough of that and so he has brought some of the pcs and other people to this planet to stop this to be like hey this is going to be the final reset i i don't want it to happen again what is this reset? What and is so this, I was like, what that is, is who my narrator is going to be. What, what do you mean? Like, does he just it's like, like a nuke? They 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 literally nuke the world, pretty much. <laughs> Dang, yeah, that's pretty brutal. So every few years, if if like every hundreds and hundreds of years, the world gets too developed and starts getting like starting to look at space travel, and they just nuke the world at that point. They're like, nope. Interesting. So back to the stone your age world, with then, you. Do you have like lore in your world where it's been like? There's like schematics of guns and stuff, or like yeah, yeah. One like, of the one of the characters is a gunslinger, and he's been playing it from day one. But he is one of the people that is on. Uh, he's like Yalin, where he is a he is part of the team that is determines if the world is getting too advanced. Interesting. And so, okay. And so, <laughs> but he has he wanted to play a character that forgot their their whole history and their memory, so he doesn't remember that that is his job. So. Wow. He has That's these cool wisdom backstory. saves that he has. It is. It's really cool. So 
he just kind of gave me, hey, I don't know who I am. I have like these three memories go mad. So I was like, okay. And each of those memories is a different kind of life that he's lived through different arcs, through different like apocalypses before they were like, the world's gotten too developed, shut it down. Interesting. Interesting. You got like a, uh, yeah, like a, uh, civilization's gotten too powerful. We got to destroy it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vibe. Yeah. I like that a lot. And then, yeah, so it's, it's the one shot characters are just hearing the story of it. Is this like, yeah, so they, after the yeah, last, so what reset, happened? The one shot characters, they, they went through this, this teleport that they found and accidentally ended up on a space station. This space station. Ooh, that's kind of awkward. Yeah, it is. And so they kind of learned more about what's going on than any of the people on the planet have besides like y'all and then the people that are trying to stop it. So they're, they have made their way back to the planet and are trying to also stop this from happening. So they're huh. trying to figure out, okay, who are the powerful people in our cycle who can help us stand against this? That's pretty fun. That's a pretty fun and interesting little uh, idea for a campaign. Yeah. It's not your typical, like, God's going to destroy the world type thing. You know, well, like, I'm going to be honest. There is an ancient deity, deity to it destroy is the being world. Released. It's they're trying to summon it. But that is that is the reason why this world keeps getting nuked right. back to oblivion is because there is zombie like monsters on this world that it doesn't matter how many times they've nuked this world they can't seem to get them to die and it's because they haven't had they haven't been able to access this kind of larger than life horrible deity now one of the things that the one shot literally they had to decide was do we think this cycle has the power to fully take on this elder deity because as of right now one it can't be destroyed because it's on another plane but two it also can't do a lot of damage because it's on another plane. If we do, if they had to make this decision on whether they were going to fully let it through this generation or just hold it off for another generation. And they decided we want to have so, the final confrontation happen now. Okay, so with this then and how you've been planning, have you been planning this kind of stuff for a long time now? Like has yeah. it been months? Oh, it's been years. Like, this was part of the idea of the original campaign when I started. Because it's so weird, because I have a completely opposite approach. <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't say opposite. Yeah, how do you how do you do it? Yeah, um, I have, so, what I do is I create a bunch of things and a bunch of stuff that's going on in the world. A bunch of people doing a bunch of things. Um, so, my beginning process is a lot to create, because I just create a million different people that are all doing different things, you know, political problems going on, wars that are going on, problems that are happening. And then I build the story off based on what the party's kind of doing, if that makes sense. So um, Mm -hmm. it doesn't mean that because everything's connected in the beginning, it's easy to just string it along. You know what I'm saying? Um, But mostly I prepare everything before the campaign starts and then i i would say that i do push you know certain directions for the story to go but for the most part Mm. it's just you know like right now in our campaign there's not really a big bad evil guy it's not really a thing that's 
going on. It's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's the ones yeah. you guys made, you know, it's the ones that you guys through your actions and through, you know, political problems have come about to you. Um, that doesn't mean there won't be a big bad evil guy later down the road, but as of right now, it's whatever the problems you guys are facing are what's, you know, what's going on. So yeah, it's um, most important to us and what, what right. Comes but I mean, the people based on where we go and what we right, want. Exactly. But the people you are dealing with, like, for example, uh, you know, you've been dealing with some political figures here and there, and then some people who want to be political figures. Those people have been planned from the beginning, but they've just you yeah. know like i have like this is what they do in this amount of time this is what they do in this amount of time this is what they do in this amount of time and then if you're directly influencing and mm -hmm. acting with them then those things change so um i don't know i don't i don't know yeah, that why was one of my it. first ways of yeah, doing it. i don't know why i do it that way i prefer it that way um because i'm i'm very prepared and have everything intertwined you know and connecting with each other and what people are yeah. doing with each other but I really like to see kind of where the party wants to go before I form, you know, a pretty major story. Um, like you guys are on a pretty major story mm -hmm. right now that is now being planned. That's been, you know, it's been planned for several sessions now because I know that's where you're going. But in the beginning, it's just very much like a, these are where the paths are going. You know, everybody's going this direction in different directions. Where do you want to go on those paths? And who do mm -hmm. you, you know, what do you, who do you want to stop? Who do you not want to stop? Who do you want to join? Who do you not want to join? And I think... It was probably more so yeah. that way because of the campaign I'm running right now. It's very, you know, like we were talking about, I think, last episode. It's very like you guys are building your own kingdom. So it's very much like it's kind of hard to, I wouldn't say plan a story, but it's just more fun when you guys get to choose what you're doing in your kingdom. And then, you know, things are kind of rotating around that a little bit more. So that's kind of why I've been doing it that way this time. Um, but yeah. I, mm -hmm. and i think it's worked out pretty well i've i've really enjoyed it it's you know <laughs> the i the prep in the beginning i don't necessarily recommend for everybody because it was a lot of prep so i mean i have i've written stories and things in my world books in my world you know my world is very very fleshed out so it's one of the reasons why i'm able to do it easily because it's so fleshed out but um yeah that's kind of how i sit down and prep and when i sit down and prep for a session i kind of just like think about where's the party going where do I think they're going next? <laughs> and, and I kind of prepare around that. Um, that's pretty much, you know, yeah. that's pretty much all I do, which I thought it was going to be quick, but it turns out that you prepare for a lot, uh, you know, sessions and sessions in advance, which, you know, yeah. I can't say that you just I prepare don't, in different but, ways. Um, the biggest thing is I have found that yeah. one of the, I'm trying to be more and more like, um, I don't know if I like movies and TV shows, right? right how right. they are, like you can look back after the show's done and be like, oh, they were totally setting that up back then. Oh man, they totally like, like that would. They, it doesn't feel like any of the things they do come out of left field. It feels like oh, they planned. They knew that was gonna be a thing. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I mean, I guess you know, like in the way I prep, I still have that just because I have, you know, people having goals for you know since the beginning of campaign and they're working towards those goals since the mm -hmm. beginning of the campaign um yeah. but you know i find it um i find it difficult uh maybe difficult's the wrong word but i find it like lackluster doing that because i find that like players can do it's not like writing a book where you know you plan out everything in advance the players can kind of do whatever they want and so it can kind of you know twist around whatever story you're planning 
So um, especially when, you know, yeah. our party sp spends, you know, a large part of sessions sitting around and talking and, you know, <laughs> doing random stuff. <laughs> so, you know, mm -hmm. but I still, like I said, I still, I still plan a lot in advance, but it's just, it's just more so session to session to session based on where you guys are going and then kind of how people are responding to you or how you're responding to other people is kind of how yeah. I do that. Cool. Well, I guess we'll skip. Well, uh, yeah, I think we'll skip we the get character thing. We'll do that now. next time. Um, cause I want to talk about our process for <laughs> character creation. Cause, um, I know we talked yeah. a little bit about it before and may have dedicated a little bit to it before, but, um, I kind of want to take us through a character creation process. Mm -hmm. Like, have one yeah. of us make a character and one of us guide us through that because i think that'd be mm. really fun well so cool. i was thinking right. this week about what one would do if their world was kind of on fire because our our season four world is having the magic slowly drained and that's a on the horizon danger that's coming right, right and right. i was thinking i was like you know i think they would trap magic when it's at its strongest point like they would get like some sort of whether it's like a magic item made while magic was strongest or do something like that and so i was like okay for a topic i'm gonna find like an interesting group of magic items that we can kind of look at sweet and the ones that i found were called imascarcana and what and what they are <laughs> imascarcana so imascar <laughs> okay. is an empire and they they just added Kana at the end of it, so it's like Arcana. <laughs> okay. at the, it's I don't think the name is very good. I'm gonna be honest with you. Um, Was this like the the Empire's magic the collection? Yeah, they are the collection of the greatest artifacts from the artificers of Imaskar. Okay, yep. Imaskar is. is the Imaskar Empire, an ancient human majocracy that existed in the East. They, as you can imagine, were well known for their powerful wizards and artificers. Thanks to this, their wizards were not just extra powerful, they were also extra prideful because of their reputation. The nation was so well known for this that the emperor bore the title Lord Artificer. Honestly, there is so many interesting stories about the history of Imaskar. I was originally planning on just talking about them here. But I think I'm going to hold off and talk about them as the topic next week. Oh, sweet. Okay. But they go through some crazy things where two whole pantheons manifest themselves just to kill them. Wow. Okay. Holy yeah, cow. Not just two gods, two <laughs> pantheons. Which is actually pretty cool, though. So it was like a big god it war is. versus magic. Yeah. No, that was pretty cool. Okay. Well, I won't even, ask questions about even it. Even in one of the. Yeah. Even one of the uh, articles about it, literally, as it was describing them, they described them as a godless nation. Just to really point in that they did not yeah, care for yeah, the gods. Holy cow. Now, the story of these artifacts come into co some controversy. Some believe they were or an ordered creation by the Lord Artificer Omundun, while others suggest that these were created centuries apart from each other and just have all been categorized together now as Imascarcana. For the rest of this research, though, I will be referring to the centuries apart lore because I believe it is more interesting. Now, these items come in many different shapes and sizes and all contain lore of the Empire. 
as well as the magical effects that they were do. Were most of these created by the Empire, Before, or were they just found by the Empire? They were all created by the Empire. And they're the like Got super okay. incredible artificers that existed in this Empire. The ancient Lord Artificer, 9,000 years ago, reportedly made the first Emascarcana, while the fifth was reportedly made five centuries later. Took some time. Yeah, some the time. fifth is a well-known Emascarcana since it was wielded during the destruction of Emascar by the last general, Lord Daimarond. The first and third was wielded by Lord Artificer Yuvaraj, in the same war against the gods but he did not succeed in this battle and perished now the idea that he held the third as well was kind of up in the air all was reported was that he had this large tome and people believed it was the third in Massacarcana. wait the home itself was like an item tome oh, t-o-m-e okay. i was like a home <laughs> what is a lot <laughs> of around on legs <laughs> Yeah, no, this is not uh, the Baba Yaga's hut. <laughs> yeah. Now, many more have been seen around and rumored to be here or there, but let's get into what they do. First, the Imask Arcana, the first one, was a crown of crude construction and lavender-tinted metal, which I posted a picture in Discord. Oh, okay, yeah. It is set with a single gem known as a Star Sapphire a magical gem that increases the protective nature of magic items, which is one of the things that this item does as it increases the wearer's spell resistance, which is kind of a thing that all of the Mask Arcana actually do. They all increase your spell resistance in some way. Is there, is now, there, this one held all of the knowledge. Is there a reason for them to have it? Just because it was really, well, because they're, they're a major the or what? And so having an item that makes you harder to damage by magic is always a like a really powerful thing for them now it it held all of the knowledge of the lord artificer it wouldn't just spill all this information though it would only reply to direct questions it even held spells within it that it could cast in its wearer's stead now some of these spells could only affect other imask arcana such as legend lore you could cast it but it would only be able to be cast on another Emask Arcana and tell you about that's hmm. history. Okay. Now, this sounds really powerful, as all of the Emask Arcana do, but they have one major downside, all of them. They only accept commands in its creator's language, Raushom, also known as Emaskari. If you didn't speak to it in that language, each of the items would do something different. This crown, for example, would cast Feeble Mind on the wearer. Now, this crown is said to still lie where Yuvaraj died, buried beneath the sand of that war zone. Now, I found no info on the second Emask Arcana, so we're just going to go talk about the third. Do you, So do all of these, then, have, like, a strict purpose they were designed for i think they're all just, just really like, real well, so, magic items so overall and... they're all made to hold every bit of knowledge that imaskar actually had okay, that's that's insane so <laughs> then yeah yeah so they all held a different bit of that information if you, if you like the next one that we're talking about the all, third one you get them all in your pokedex <laughs> entry and you know everything about them the uh third one 
is said to be one of the most powerful artifacts ever made, as it is a tome lined in the hide of a blue dragon, and its pages were made of powerful crystal called a vellum that was given the flexibility and properties of paper. But they did mix it up, and even it even has some pages made of human, elf, and demon skin. Okay, that's kind oh, of weird. very though. weird. That's a little bit messed oh, up. I do want to, because this actually fits in here. There is a study, a science called anthropodermic biocodecology, skin, man. which is the study of hu- It's the study of human skin books, and it's oh, fascinating. Gr- <laughs> <laughs> That's so nasty. Yeah. What do you? I love that. There's a whole you get, like, science a devoted specifically to that. You could, where people are like trying to figure out why did these ever get made. I mean that's pretty brutal to be honest. Also, they go around and test shave off skin and call it good. I mean, you can't just do that. You have to like tan it. Like it's a whole process to like. It's the same thing as like doing it for like any making a leather book. It's the same process. It's just doing it with With humans, humans, which is (laughs) horrifying. Now, back to this tome. But this tome is not as big of a deal. Wow. (laughs) Now we know where you stand. (laughs) Now, this tome is weird, and it can't be read like a normal tome. Instead, once per day, you can pretty much speak to it with the commune spell, gaining only a yes or no answer. Uh, Oh, gosh, I guess I didn't include what it actually... Does the third Emascarcana actually hold the knowledge of? It stored the lore... Of the empire itself. Now, it was able to cast spells like the other Imascarcana can, but this one held very, very, very powerful spells. You could do Dominate Monster, Meteor Storm, Time Stop, and Imprisonment. Oh, so, pretty much all ninth level oh, spells, no. I believe. Is Dominate Monster eighth or is it ninth? Uh, I think it's eighth. Yeah, so all, so all nine, very high level wrong. spells. But it fell to the same flaw as the previous and only responds to specific the specific language of Imaskari. If you spoke in another language, it would just immediately turn you into another page of its tone. Oh, gosh. Yeah. Only re- That's a really it cool is concept, only though. reversible by magic le- the same level as Wish. So you could get turned into the book. And then somebody could well, wish it doesn't you give out you the wish spell. It doesn't give you that one. <laughs> I see. <laughs> yeah, that would have been a fun loophole, but no. <laughs> I see. That's rude. <laughs> now, the fifth Amaskarkana was the next one they had info on, as the fourth was just seemingly nowhere, nowhere talked about. It is a scepter that is seemingly unsubstantial, appearing pitted and battered in appearance. But it was tipped by a fist-sized amethyst. And it's also in the picture that I uh, posted to Discord. This scepter contained all the mil- military knowledge of Imaskar and would explain any answer it had tele- telepathically with its wielder. Boy. This scepter OP, contained... OP strategy yeah, right there. you could learn the military strategy of this major nation. It contained powerful mind-altering spells and granted the wielder protection against such spells as well. And as you can assume... As with all the other Imaskarna, if you speak to it in another language, 
it will not like Uh-oh. you. So this one casts disintegrate upon its wielder <laughs> if they can't talk in any uh-oh, other language. Oh, now the last one we know now, about. Is we it know very worse? little about it. Well, is it worse is it to worth? be disintegrated or is it worse to be turned into book, a book? Because you you have no recourse. Hmm. Because you might survive the disintegrate. You won't <laughs> yeah, survive to true. be turned into a true, book. True, true. Now, the last one we know about, the seventh Imask Arcana. It resembled a large key and held the knowledge of demiplanes and extra spaces. Cool, cool. And extra dimensional spaces. But other than that, we don't know what it what it did, like what spells it had, or what effects it had, or even what it would do if you didn't speak to I it know, in the right I was language. Say, I have to know what that is. What do you think it did? Does it Maybe just shoot it you trapped you plane? inside of it, like a death plane, or imprisoned you on another plane? Yeah, it's yeah, it's like, it's never gonna be yeah. good. <laughs> it's never gonna be good. We know that for sure. <laughs> so. Onto our top, onto our creation this week. Recap time. I don't remember what we did. <laughs> storms. Yes, I remember. We did magical storms. What, and, were, we, uh, what were we supposed to talk about? <laughs> last yeah, week. What was the actual? Were, were we on topic we were. last week? We did stay pretty on topic. Oh, wow. So I, I had talked about last week Jeg Red Bane Ray, the kind of. Um, the Dragoloth kind of half demon, half drow. Right, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so we decided to talk about kind of how how magical nature would be affected by weakening magic. Right. So we had the the locust of fairies. Oh, yeah, that's right. I remember that. Yeah, yeah. And we had the uh, magical storms as magic weakened in certain areas, but grew stronger in others, and kind of created this horrible vortex of energies so this week i'm thinking we talk about how someone who detected it before those horrible things that we talked about last week and i'm thinking what they did is they trapped magic in these powerful artifacts knowing that in a few years these artifacts would be completely unable to be created and maybe like there's there's a few things we could do with this one we could make it this would be another solution for the end of the campaign. These could be another way of, of protecting the weave by taking the energy that was saved and kind of repairing it as best they can. Or you could make it be these weapons and artifacts will be required to take down the monster that is drawing magic energy away. Okay, I have an idea. But it may... Okay. You probably have to be super careful with it and may not work in campaigns, but it could be really fun to, towards the end of the campaign, mm. completely shut off magic, but one of these magic items was created to allow within a certain space your same magical prowess. So, like, they... Interesting. I mean, again, you'd have to be careful because, you know, if you take if you take take the ability to cast magic away from people then you know it's kind of annoying but yeah you'd need it could be really fun for like a for a short time or like at the i was thinking at the very end kind of talking it battle or whatever you know they Mm -hmm. you know they use this thing but you could do something like that because i feel like if people began to know that magic was waning 
powerful mat like wizards mm-hmm. and things like that would be creating trying to create a way in which magic wouldn't be you know dissipating or wouldn't be feeling the effects of that dissip- that you know magical energy leaving my question is is mm-hmm. does it even matter like if you created this magic item would this magic item also be losing magic or is there something no. sacred about the storing these, of magical think, power that it isn't well i don't think affected? it I don't think it has to draw on it. Maybe the fact that these are like, maybe these are like magic items that are so insular, like they, their whole, the way they work doesn't require other, like drawing on magic in any way that they don't actually, when everything else is waning, they don't because they don't actually draw upon the weave in any way. And maybe that's like, maybe, maybe you make them the only items in this world that do it that way because the wizard who made it specifically knew that was what he was trying to do is create ones that would still work when magic was, I was waning gonna say that is an interesting question how do magic items work in D? do they just because they recharge so a lot of them recharge a lot of them don't recharge but how does mm-hmm. do they just draw from the weed i mean as i'm well, sure or what? it's been written do about we know? do i know it no huh yeah i, I have no idea <laughs> like i wouldn't be able to pull I mean, I'm assuming they have to draw from the weave yeah. to keep their magical power. Otherwise, they would, mm-hmm. like, you know, Well, so it depends right? if it's, like, one of the ones that recharge. Yeah, that makes sense that they would have to draw upon the weave. Well, I think, regardless, I think magic items should work that way in our campaign. I think it'd be fun that mm-hmm. all magic items that recharge have the ability to, you know, draw from the magical gate and restore its arcane ability. Whereas the ones that you can't recharge, they don't. Um, and then I think it would be a really fun thing to implement that like that kind of process is really difficult to do. So the 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 normal enchanting of an item isn't Question. as difficult, but getting it if we make it to that way, recharges. Would it be fine if we had it where um, because magic works this way, if you kind of run out of uses or charges? you can actually try and pull a few more casts from the weave itself. It would be dangerous, of course. There would be like a downfall or, or like a, a danger to well, it. I think, too, that the D&D system works really well for... I'll address your question in just a second, though, but I think the D&D system works really well because mm-hmm. you have to have at least a charge remaining for it to recharge successfully every time, and if you spend all the charges, it's harder to recharge. It, like, can break. So I think that works yeah. perfectly for the system we're setting up. But I love the idea of if you mm-hmm. spend the final charge, you have the option to like overcharge it and like do final spells from the arcane gate. Yeah, so it's I mean so it'd kind of be it would do, kind of be playing on D's already built in idea and just kind of adding exactly. to it. Exactly. And I think that's I think that'd be really fun where you could like overcharge your item and you could even you could even create an entire system called overcharging where like each magical item in the D&D handbook has charges and then you give them overcharge charges and how many you know you could you could spend all those overcharge charges to do an extra powerful blast or something but your magic item would break and that could be really fun too mm-hmm. if you wanted to sit down and figure out yeah, a would, fun uh, magical charge system something, if i was running this campaign i would 100 percent. yeah i think it'd do. be really cool um being able to like have mm-hmm. this like risk every time you use a magic item in the overcharge category to like break your item but it can also like 
do really cool awesome effects and you know more damage or you know do anything like that could be really fun especially if you you know yeah that's honestly one of my favorite things right well and especially in dnd is is adding versatility and usability in other ways for them exactly and i think especially if like the last battle you do like everybody uses all of their charges on their their magic items and they break all their magic items and they finally have victory you know (laughs) like that'd be epic But yeah, I love that idea. I think we should definitely have some sort of overcharge thing where every magic item you can just overcharge and you know draw, or maybe not every, but certain magic items. Um, They have the capability to draw from the the arcane gate itself and overcharge its item and cast spells and stuff with it. But there's a chance the more and more you do it, you know, the higher it is it can break. Mm -hmm. But I think if people. If people were in a situation where magic is fading and like we were talking about before, probably the only, you know, most intelligent and most educated people in, you know, universities and magical, you know, majocracies and things like that would know about it. But I'm assuming they would be definitely trying to stop it. So one, I think there would be some sort of science devoted to it, uh, which I think we kind of discussed maybe a little bit before, Mm -hmm. but there would definitely be the science of stopping, you know, magic from waning and you could like major in it essentially you could like study it and really try and figure out how to do so um but then people would definitely be making some sort of item to give be able to cast magic no matter the circumstance so um and then i think it would be really fun too like a rival school creates the opposite where like it cancels out and you can't cast magic with this certain sphere to like they are trying to like one up them or something like a, a magic academy magic uh <laughs> magic item race um i think it'd be really fun mm-hmm. so i think there would definitely be an item to like store up magical energy that you could theoretically cast your spells anywhere at any time uh, and then there'd be a magical like an anti-magic yeah. field that completely blocks magic um and that would probably be created really early before people like realized what was going on like maybe at the very beginning when the mm-hmm. majocracies were like taking over you know they were they created this item so that they could try and stop different you know places so that would be something i would see um i would also see very similar to one of the items we talked about like a a tome of knowledge that like has all knowledge in it of a certain society or certain group or a certain person i think that'd be really fun Mm -hmm. i'm a really big fan and i don't know you know your thoughts on this but i'm a really big fan of having like a book uh where like the soul of wizard or wizards was trapped in it and you could like speak with them. Um, and it's one of my favorite ideas for a warlock patron as well. Like you are a warlock and you can, but you can, you know, like communicate with these wizards. Yeah, that, and have that, them that is an interesting thing. I have not really, used really it fun. yet. Um, it makes me want to create a subclass of warlock called but like I definitely. The, the wizard council patron or something. <laughs> like, I don't know, but like you get your power from finding an ancient tome that has, the knowledge and the souls and the minds of wizards like a, a wizard council or like a majocracy yeah. and they give you their power um what really, i really know fun. is there is a a class in pathfinder that is um it's called like the witch or the oh gosh i'm not gonna remember it right now and it's not uh but it 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 gets its magic from like a mystery 
And so, like, I don't know exactly what, like, the mystery is like their warlock patron. And based on the type of mystery it is, they get, like, different things. And so it's uh, making me think that, like, looking at that to create that kind of fun. a, like, a way that, that, that you could have, like, a, a book with a trapped person in it. You could, like, your patron. You could call, uh, a class subclass with like wizards as a patron like the awakened minds patron like the that'd be fun oh like man okay i, I had an idea awoken. for a um a group in my next world that i've already been begun oh, creating yeah. <laughs> called uh the order of eternal knowledge mm. and so they're like high up members of the order of eternal knowledge get granted immortality they, their bodies still decay and stuff, but they are, like, eventually they're just skeletons. But they're still learning. Like, they, they have a pursuit of knowledge is the most important thing to them. And I had all of the kind of non-scholars that are orders, of, that are yep. in this order. They, they put knowledge on their armor and their blades and their weapons. And now I'm thinking they, they put the collected knowledge of anyone they kill on their blade which would be super they like yeah i mean that's creepy <laughs> it would be oh very much so do all of their weapons connect but to the, also the order is not uh, the original eternal scholars and so they also learn every time somebody's killed through it yes <laughs> be for <so> sure cool. <laughs> that'd be so creepy it's so cool <laughs> definitely and that could be something like of the, a whatever they patron like, too for sure maybe all of this con collected knowledge it's all gone to like one area and has now become sentient yeah, yeah. and it like can grant powers that now be so so creepy and so cool reminds me of stuff in my campaign but, but enough yeah, about yeah, my yeah, world yeah no but i definitely think there needs to be some sort of tome that has the collective thoughts of I, I like it to be like in thoughts, the dying moments like of a society to arcane that's like when this thing like the collective cry of this one dying society what if we make it the society that we had that this. crashed into the sea on purpose what if they uh as their last dying yes. thing they created this magical yes. tome and it's now at the bottom of atlantis well i mean i don't think it was intentional i don't think it was intentional Ooh. i think it is and I don't think it's there anymore. Also, I think that somehow it is kind of. Well, no, I kind of want it to be floating around, and like maybe if, if a player wants to create uh, a warlock, oh, be like, yeah, "Hey, yeah. nudge, nudge." Or if not, I think you somehow found access yeah, to or this. Or if not, some random. But if not, then you put it some down random there. Kid found it on a pirate ship, and now he's some sort of magical mm -hmm. warlock who runs a pirate crew. He can do. He can do all sorts of stuff. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I mean, what would be the goal of it? Well, so it's the same goal as Wait, what would they what would they the want people, to do? Which it would they were, their goal was to continually um to like wasn't it to like continually um research what is going on and try to figure yeah, it out? So. But they knew that that they would need the collective knowledge of all of them. Like they would they would need somebody who had infinite time to infinitely study this. So the way that that souls worked in our world is that like it has to be one that just happened to be forgotten right like that's the only way that like ghosts happen 
So they're like, we have to kill so many people that some of us get forgotten to stay immortal. And they didn't realize that it would also the that many deaths at one time would also create create a magic effect of an item or something and it created this those people who are mortal now those like leaders are searching for that book too so like you have to like whoever has that book they're like hunting for them too to get the knowledge back because they lost it because it was in that book yes the people who whoever whoever still lives the ghost who who still lives is definitely hunting it that's cool they're trying to get the knowledge back because they lost it in this book not even lost it, be, but more, more they know fun. that it exists now. Right, right, yeah, yeah. And they're like, wait, if that exists, then that'll like make my job like 25 or times even easier. like the ghosts, I, I do like the idea of the ghosts like losing their knowledge, but they know their knowledge is within this book. So like they don't have a way to access it unless they have this knowledge. And then once they have the book, they can make their job much easier because they can document everything easier. So... I think it could mm-hmm. be fun to have, you know, either of those and they are just hunting for this book. And so like the player who or if if a player makes a character, they have to like run from these ghosts. And maybe like if they found it early as a kid or something, they would have visions and dreams of ghosts and hauntings. That'd be would be fun. But that's also me. That that's also me being biased cuz horror is like my favorite thing of all time, but <laughs> Anyways, next one. What else do we think? Is there some sort of magical doom staff that destroys stuff? Would that be something that the people would make trying to... I mean, why no. would they make that, though? I'm thinking, so in, in the world that of, as being... of the Forgotten Realms, there's a thing called a mythalar, and it's like this large sphere of just magical energy. And I think they try to create one of those before, and maybe it goes terribly wrong. Maybe they thought they still had enough magical energy to do it, but they didn't, and it explodes and like puts a permanent like crater. I mean, I love that for sure. In like a permanent destructive area where this Does that thing start just the storms magic just went haywire, and maybe in that area magic doesn't work anymore. Does that start the storms? That could be something that started the storms. Yes, I like yeah, that. Yeah, like, like they that. created this huge magical sphere of energy, and it blew up and shot up into the you know like the arcane energy that exploded created these magical arcane storms from all the arcane potential and that's why it does all this random stuff because it's just pure arcane potential so it can be different types of storms i think that's fun yeah okay i like that i like that too no that's great that's great okay next how many do we want i was gonna say how many are you making i was thinking i don't know we have i was thinking we make like two and it's all made by the same person as he tried to create things to save the ooh okay hold on hold on hold on (laughs) in relation to what we just created i just remembered a sphere of annihilation Mm -hmm. is a thing in Mm -hmm. DD. what if when they tried to create the mythalar yes it created the storms but permanently in its Its place in like the very center of this destroyed area is a sphere of annihilation a lot yeah like and that's how those are created they're failed mythalars i like that a lot that's super cool yeah okay so then we have a book, we have a magic sphere that blew up, we have, we had something else, didn't we? Oh, we have like a way to cast magic no matter where you're at, and then a way to prevent magic from wherever you're at. I think those two are probably either created by the same person or created well, so by like I want to. I don't want to make them wherever you're at. Um, I would like it to be, so in, in D&D there is a, um, 
a higher like a it's like a 10th or 11th level spell that lets you create a magical effect in a certain area what if what they did it's it's one spell what if what if they they did one spell that what it did is it took all the magic energy that existed in two areas made one of them have no magic now and the other one have double the amount of magic that it did before what if okay so I it like makes this, the anti-magic we... area but it makes the mag super magic area which still has magic per, like for a while after everything else is losing yeah, it no i like i like this what if we what if we knocked it down a peg though and it's not on par with these like magical like the magical sphere or the book but instead mm -hmm. this magical sphere that was that we have was used to try and get close to the explosion of the sphere like it because it, and what did they hope to get i there? don't know i don't know maybe they were trying to collect the magical energy or the magical sphere but i think that could be a really fun interesting hmm. story of why it was created because they were trying to get to the center and maybe like or maybe we we up it a tier and we make it it like protects you from a bunch of stuff and like going close to that sphere of annihilation is very dangerous and so they have like this magical bubble that protects them and allows them to cast spells and do things despite there being harmful you know death outside you could do something like that too and then make mm. it one of those make it as strong as one of those um as one of those magical items or we could even combine the two as well and you could just do different effects within the bubble like just any kind of effect that you can think of like you can do this like you can cast any spells maybe if magical energy is waning you can heal yourself you can like you know feed yourself i don't know like oh, there's just all sorts on. of things you can do within this so sphere. i like the idea of trying to get closer to the sphere and i think i know why and i so i kind of want them to literally take their whole city and move it like literally right next to the sphere of annihilation because the sphere of annihilation while it is dangerous it is drawing in a lot of magical energy so the mad the area around it is still magically rich I like that and they want to get closer to that so they literally move their city there i like that a lot and they have this big magical bubble that protects them and gives them magical powers within this place Yes. Yeah. No, I like that a lot. I think that's I a great. I think so, reason. but I think is the, that city still there? Uh, Sphere of Annihilation is getting dangerously unstable at this point. I also and I think they should move. I don't know if they will. I think it's also like a fun idea to make it like really hard to get to because you have to get close to this sphere until you enter that bubble. So like that could be mm -hmm. a fun little you know yeah journey journey to the center of the earth so to speak. <laughs> but. They have to journey to this magical sphere, and it's like mm -hmm. really difficult because there's magical, you know, power and death around. But once they get into the city, they're safe. So that could be a fun yeah, thing. for sure. Okay, so it's like kind of like, like walking through lava. Sorry, I was coughing like horribly. <laughs> Anyways, three items you said. Um, what oh, I said it was said, like, like walking, walking through, through like a like uh, a volcano where it's really hot and you have to kind of deal with the heat of getting that close to something that dangerous. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. That's perfect. Um, so we have three items. We have this big sphere that protects the city. We have the book of knowledge and we have uh, the sphere itself, like the arcane energy. Do all do these three things have are they connected in any way? Did the same people who made each of them make this like 
was that magical city that crashed into the sea did it make all of these do we want that or do we want just these um, to be randomly made what's what's the idea do we want them to be connected in any way or is just this just like a mini creation area I, I, where people just created as much as they could? It sounds more like it's a rushed kind of preserve. Uh, their it knowledge. doesn't sound connected to me, so I, I don't think I think we should keep it where it's all disconnected. It doesn't need to be part of the same creation, unless uh, or like the same person who made it. Unless now, hear me out, and this is how you connect them all pretty pretty simply. Got to connect the book, them all. Yeah. Um, the magical sphere of magical arcane doom that exploded was created first. Okay. During that process, um, when it was going to explode, the city itself, where it was being created, created escaped into the sky. The arcane thing exploded and the people who were creating it were like, shoot, we lost all of our knowledge on how to create this arcane sphere. So they ended up creating so it could never happen again. They decided to have their knowledge be eternal. And they, the only way to do that was to kill everybody within the sea. And it created the book. So they sunk the sea within the book. The sole survivor who didn't lose his knowledge then created the city bubble to get the city back, like the city back to the... Um, sphere in order to try and create another one again and I study think that's what interesting where so you the reason why they moved the city so close is that he was trying to study what yeah, went wrong to i like re that. recreate it and so then you could have all of them be built by the same society or even the same person who still exists today and who's an immortal skeleton being who survived the crash and maybe the only one who you know who, so what i'm uh, thinking i'm thinking what still it would maintained be is his knowledge from the book or even he has access to the book, so they and he can like they, talk and communicate with the other person reading the book too. That what I'm, fun. what like I'm thinking is Harry Potter, where you write in it and it answers. What you. I'm thinking is one, it's all that Atlanta city, Atlantis city. So what it is is it's first, it's the the city drowned itself. Okay. The uh, ghost man still survived. The book survived and got a, got away somehow. Then that person in their research needed more magical energy so then they created a magical energy an, uh, aura of magic that protected them and that wasn't that ended up not being enough so then they moved their city over by the aura of the uh orb of annihilation yeah that so works they're the ones there and so they are eventually they will be whether it's the book calling and like the book will tell the the pc hey we got to go yeah. here I don't know why, but right. I'm being called there. Or he goes and finds them. I like the book calling them there. Mm. I like that idea, I think, more. And I think the yeah. book is... Would the book be, like, against this dude? Or is it neutral because it's everybody's... Like, I don't know. What's? I think that would be up to how the campaign is going yeah. and how you... what what type of person you want this to be whether you want them to be a oh that's an enemy or do you want them to be friends of the party yeah no i, th I think i could see i see that too yeah i could see it being both ways equally so maybe it just depends on how the party plays it or how the campaign unfolds mm -hmm. would be probably the wisest yeah. idea i like that i think that's fun i think that's cool and the same person or the same yeah. society created all these items in tandem to 
attempt to close, gain as much knowledge as possible, and prevent the arcane gate from completely sealing and shutting off magic. Mm. And if, in the event that it happened, they have a source of magic on the plane to continue to use magic. I think that's perfectly reasonable and really cool. Yeah. And fleshes out our Atlantis city a little bit more than just Atlantis wanting knowledge and blowing up. Yeah, it definitely <laughs> does. Any other magic items that we want in that in that mix? I any can't think of any. Can you? Is there a... I was going to say, is there some sort of... It wouldn't be very powerful, though. Like a detector that detects magical energy? That'd be dumb. Um, um, <laughs> well, I think you have your own idea about that one. Yep. Uh, <laughs> um... I don't think I can't think of anything else right off the top of my head. I mean, the only other thing that I think would be useful mm-hmm. would be like a you know staff of deadly explosions or something. But I don't know why that person would create it. So yeah. I can't think of why it would be a thing. Yeah, I think that's. I think that's. Do you think? Do we, would we want this survivor to have contact with the book or no? Like, can he he speak through the book contact? or can he? Like, I was thinking, what if the book had, like, missing sections, and this guy had pieces of those missing sections? So, like, he could, m- like, minimally communicate with the person who had the book. So maybe, like, like you could do, like, a critical role gesture story where, like, this person's super lonely, and they were, like, writing in their book, and the book could write back every once in a while. And, like, it was, like, their friend type thing. You could also do that without yeah, I'd, the wizard, hmm. but yeah, I don't know if I want him to be connected with it or or, or not. But I think I like the idea yeah. of him being severed from it because of the, you know, does he even know it exists at first? No, I don't okay, think yeah, so. Yeah, I agree. I think he doesn't at first either, and he he does eventually. But I still think like the ghosts are still trying to go out and get it because that's like their you know eternal damnation is to find this book and regain their knowledge um mm-hmm. but this guy is the sole like survivor well i cool. think that is well. it for episode 77 of dungeoneered come on aaron you know that's not how you do that <laughs> thank you yep. i did that's sign it everything i did that is sign the perfect way <laughs> well Thank you for listening to this episode. And if you listen to us on any apps that have ratings and reviews, uh, we'd love if you would write a rating and review. It'd really help the show by showing you're engaging in more ways than one. Um, if you'd like to write to us, you can write to us at dungeoneered at hotmail.com. We'd love to hear from you, whether it's about a ideas for a topic, ideas for a world, ideas for uh, lukewarm open, or you just want to talk to us. Yeah, no, we'd love to hear and it all. What I'm thinking, um, honestly, is if you need to, you can definitely do some sort of like heist where you steal your grandma's cookie recipe and you send it to me. So, just don't be afraid to get a team of adventurers and do a heist at grandma's house. So, <laughs> I don't know where that came from, but anyways, continue, Josh. <laughs> I don't understand you sometimes. <laughs> you know, some grandmas sure. are really protective of their secret recipes. So, you know, if you, if they need to be stolen and you know copied down and sent to me, then Obviously, don't steal Grandma's original recipe, but you can definitely write it down and send me a piece of paper about it. So, well, or on an email after that <laughs> weirdness. Yep, yep, yep. Thank you all for listening. And as I always say, always remember to be the sharpest barrel in the bunch. See you next time.
Bye.